Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Thanks for joining us to Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell, and uh, Tracy, talk to us about our guest today. Well, great to be with you again, Chris. Um, today, we are blessed to have Todd Bolsinger with us. Uh, Todd is a speaker, an executive coach, a former pastor, associate professor of leadership formation, and a fellow for the Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Seminary, and an author of uh, several books, but the last two of Canoeing the Mountains, and the one I most recently listened to was Tempered Resilience. Todd, welcome. Nice to be with you both. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Well, um, your writings have inspired me. Um, and uh, the staff here at Emmanuel College, where we're recording this. So it's really an honor to have you in our midst. Uh, tell us a bit about who you are and kind of, you, you've done a lot of different things, man. So I have done a lot of different things. So um, for 27 years, I was a pastor, Presbyterian pastor. I was uh, trained at Hollywood Presbyterian, which is kind of this iconic church in Los Angeles. Our pastor, Lloyd Ogilvie, went on to be the chaplain mm-hmm. of the Senate. And I was on his staff as a young guy, straight out of college. I was became the college pastor when I was 23. I'd worked for Youth for Christ doing youth evangelism, and they hired me and said, you're going to run out of those youth talks you do by Christmas, and so we're <laughs> going to send you to seminary so you can learn how to teach the scriptures. And um, I was good because I ran out of them by Thanksgiving. And um, and they sent me to Fuller Seminary, and they paid for it. And um, I, I always tell people about that because this church invested in me when I was little more than just some enthusiasm and some arrogance. And because wow. they invested mm-hmm. in my theological education, my wife and I were able to afford for me to do a PhD, which I did after my master's, and um, and have spent the, be- the better part of my whole ministry in working in seminaries and doing some stuff in leadership development there, working in churches that I pastored, and then now uh, running a church, a leadership institute, and running a consulting company. So mm-hmm. wow. it's, it's really what I've been able to do. Eight years ago, I went back to the seminary as a senior administrator, and so... Um, now I've been working mostly in theological education and working directly with church leaders, um, leading through change. Well, what are some specific ways that you are leading that way, that you are guiding people who are learning kind of the next steps yeah. of leadership? Well, my entire work is all built on the whole notion that, of what's called adaptive leadership, which is really about how do you lead when there are no best practices? Yeah. When you can no longer, when you're literally like uh, off the map, when you're when you're lost, when when there's nobody else you can look to, and you know even before 2020, the church was experiencing that experience, right. like after several centuries of what we call Christendom, where culture supported Christianity, more and more places in the world today, um, the church is uh, not supported in the same way. And because Mm -hmm. it's not, it finds itself, we find ourselves struggling all the time. Yeah. You know, I I love the the idea of adaptive leadership because things are so complex. Yeah. Change happens so rapidly. Mm -hmm. And there, as you said, there's no, there's not a linear path Mm -hmm. to A to B to C to D that that we can follow. Uh, So um, you... I've been a coach. Mm. How um, 
how have you led uh, you led in a, in a church? What mm-hmm. what started? I want to go back a bit. Mm-hmm. Where did this passion for leadership? Actually, where did that germinate? Well, in my own. So I was, I was, uh, I led a church for 17 years. After 10 years at Hollywood, I spent 17 years at San Clemente, which is a little beach town halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego in exactly the kind of town. Sounds horrible. It, exactly. Like if somebody has to suffer for Jesus. There. And the reason we did not and, meet there yeah, was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got, I, God gave me the desire of my heart. I literally went there wanting to pastor a parish, a community of people raise my kids. My son was three years old. My daughter was three months old. I held up my daughter, said, you're all invited to her high school graduation. Like I was just (laughs) committed to being there and God gave us the desire of our hearts. It was wonderful. But about 10 years into that journey, I found myself in a place where all of the metrics that we think about were going up and to the right. We just had more people and money and all those good things, but the morale was going down. Mm. And I was lost. I didn't know what to make of it. I, I, and, and really, I ended up in a process of having to rethink my own leadership style because what I realized with some help of some folks and a consulting group that came in and worked with me and a coach that I got was um, I was unconsciously building a church in my own image. Mm-hmm. Like somebody made a joke, you know, um, if left to myself, I would build Todd Bolsinger Ministries at San Clemente Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. And I needed to relearn leadership. And, and what was happening at that time was really a personal crisis and a personal uh, moment of conviction for me. Because I, I don't believe that's what the church is supposed to be. Right Now we realize it's now become a crisis in lots of places where the personality of leadership leaders are becoming more important than the healthy culture of a congregation and that that's creating part of the crisis we see happening in the church today. So, so that's where it started. It was in my own, Mm -hmm. I said, every single thing I teach or I coach, I had to learn it first and I'm still learning it. Gotcha. And, um, and that's kind of the work that I've been doing ever since. And then, then this pandemic hit and everything just exploded, right? We're in this completely un, like an unanticipated uncharted world. That, yeah. that nobody ever expected. Well, when we, as as an executive leadership team here, the senior leadership team here at Emmanuel College, were going through a, a crisis, mm. it could not have been much worse. We, uh, our president, Dr. White, uh, assigned the book as mm. reading. Mm. So we would read a chapter or so and then talk about it. And it was encouraging because... all. We we sensed a not only was it about you know Lewis and Clark and and, and you know canoeing the mountains but I love the title anyway mm-hmm. but the, the whole idea was that these are times like we've never seen and we were in a situation that was just daunting yeah. and we didn't there were no textbooks for it there were no clear way forward but we were the collective of our not only our gifts and our passions and our desires plus the power of of God's creative um, gave us what we needed in the moment. And we found leadership popping up from all these different mm-hmm. varied uh, places. It, it wasn't about a pecking order or an organizational flow chart. Mm-hmm. It was just people that were closest to the problems were the best problem solvers, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So it was timely for us. So okay. there, there's some gratitude in my yeah. heart yeah. For, for you writing what you did when you did. And it's helpful to know, man, well, it came, of course, out of my yeah. own struggles. Yeah. Well, and a good example of that you just said, right? So many of us are used to being able to rely on our, the expertise of our past. So all of a sudden, if you find yourself in a new world, you know, the, the Lewis and Clark story was a story about folks who were expert water navigators. They yeah. invented a boat. 
They were going on a water trip. They were trying to find the connection between the Mississippi River and the Pacific Ocean, going up the Missouri River. They invented a, they were good. They were, they were the best water guys around. And then they ran into the Rocky Mountains. (laughs) And, and the most interesting part of that whole story, of course, is that, you know, the Mandan tribe told them there will be mountains. And they said, oh, we're really good at mountains. We were great in the Appalachians. (laughs) You know, like, and so I know, you know, we're sitting here in, uh, in Georgia, in Georgia talking about this. But if you've ever seen the Rockies, Mm -hmm. you realize there was a mental model that nobody of European descent had ever seen. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you got 14,000 foot peaks that go 300 miles and no river can run through that. So now you came on this trip to be an expert water navigator. And the only thing you can do if you're going to keep going is drop the boats. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to learn as you go. And so the leadership we're talking yeah. about today is really how do you learn as you go when you're not an expert, right. and how do you handle loss when you're having to let go of things that were really dear to you in order to keep going on your mission? And mm-hmm. that's the challenge of leaders every day. So, so how do we? Because yeah. that's where we are yeah. Yeah. In, in so many ways. When you look at this kind of the, just the word leader, mm-hmm. the word leadership, that I just kind of step back from that a little yeah. bit because of the image that it presents. And when Tracy and I talked about what's going to be the title of this podcast, this is a part of me that just didn't want anything yeah. leadership related in it. Yeah. But leadership can be um, redefined mm-hmm. uh, and it can take us back to the whole New Testament mindset of Jesus the servant leader, mm-hmm. when they're clapping and welcoming and wanting more, what does he do? He disappears and he mm-hmm. hides away. So what are your thoughts as mm-hmm. it relates to kind of redefining mm-hmm. that whole leadership mindset? Yeah. Well, one of the first things you have to get out of your head is that leadership is not a title. It's not mm-hmm. a title on the door. It doesn't mean that you're the person who gets heavy furniture and all that, you know, they get the best office. Leadership is a skill set. It's a functioning Um, And so anybody can step in and function as a leader. Um, I define leadership as energizing a community of people toward their own transformation Mm -hmm. so they can accomplish a mission. So anybody who takes on the responsibility to say, we're going to have to learn and grow so we can accomplish something bigger than ourselves is a leader. And so trying to get an entire, you said leadership came out of all of the woodwork, came out from the different people right. closest to the problem. That's good adaptive leadership at work. That's, right. it, it, it calls people into function as a leader. And so my, my work, I mean, today, um, I run a leadership center where we research and w- work on this stuff. And I have a consulting company with my wife where we work with churches and nonprofits and schools. And what we do is every single day we work with helping faith leaders thrive as change leaders because for them to lead change they've got to be able to thrive through it they got to not only be good at it but they've got to be able to be healthy as they go through it that's so good well that was your your the first book that i ever read by you um but you've shifted that was a few years ago but more recently uh, your last book on resilience mm. uh, and blacksmithing. Tell us about mm-hmm. what, what's the story, the big story yeah. behind that particular book, Todd. Well, Canoeing the Mountains came out, and I got invited to do a lot of speaking in places. I, uh, before the pandemic, I was doing about 100,000 miles a year, traveling around to different That's places, talking about the need to lead differently in a time of change, that we'll have to rethink and relearn leadership all over again. What I found was almost every single time, when I'd finished speaking, whoever invited me kindly would like feed me lunch before they put me back on a plane. 
And over and over again during lunch, someone would say to me something like, you know, that was really helpful, thank you, but Mm. I'm not sure we have anybody who can do that. And at first I was like, oh, I got to do a better job of training. That's why I came. They went, no, I'm not sure we have anybody who has the stomach. You're... You're talking about having to take right. people through loss, like letting go of things that are really important. Um, there's a chapter in Canoe in the Mountains on sabotage. Everybody right. wanted to talk about sabotage. Every single place <laughs> wanted to talk about sabotage. So what I started looking at was really tempered resilience is how do you develop the strength and flexibility? That's the tempered steel, the strength and flexibility to be able to lead in the face of your own people's resilience. Mm-hmm. Like, like that was the most soul-sucking thing for leaders. It was your own people res- re- who asked you to lead them now resisting you, their, their yeah. resistance. I, my last name is Reynolds. And um, if you remember the old Reynolds Wrap commercials, Reynolds Wrap is oven-tempered yeah. for flexible strength. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, we used to take students on missions trips and the, the byword from the day before we would, we would plan, I'd say, here's the deal. There's going to come a moment where we're going to have to call an audible and you're not going to like it. Yeah. But here's what I need you to be flexible because yeah. do well i know what we're doing probably not yeah but uh we'll get through it somehow yeah uh, so i i so resonate with the whole idea of flexibility and mm-hmm. who can do this well um we can all learn to do it yeah yeah well there's this um i was inspired because you know um so there's a famous line in dr king's speech the famous i have a dream speech where he says with this faith He's just finished actually exegeting Isaiah, right? Mm-hmm. He just, you know, the yeah. whole story is that he didn't have that planned in his script. Right. He went off script and he's go, and Mahalia Jackson, who's a gospel singer, says, tell him tell about the dream, Martin. Mm-hmm. And he goes into Isaiah 40. Mm-hmm. And Clarence B. Jones, his speechwriter and his lawyer, is sitting right there who'd been working with him. And they said to, said to the person next to him, these people don't know, but they're about to go to church. That's right. <laughs> and... And he goes into Isaiah 40, and he gives this picture of the day that's going to come when God is going to redeem this world down to the dirt. Like all the rough places will be made plain, and all the high places will be brought low, and Mm. it'll rearrange the world so God's presence is seen. He said, because I believe that, with this faith, we'll be able to hew out of a mountain of despair a stone of hope. And that was the line, hew. How do you become a a tool that can hew yeah. hope from despair. Mm-hmm. And the tools that can do that are not sledgehammers. Right. They're chisels. Mm. Right? So what do you do when you face a mountain of despair? Well, you don't bash it with a sledgehammer. You don't blow it up with mm-hmm. dynamite. You don't back down. You hew it. And for me, that became the question about temporary resilience. How do, you be, how do we become leaders who can transform? That's the next line. Hew right. out of a mountain of despair transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood how do we become leaders who can bring transformation out of despair and that's the question oh and that is the question so how yeah you know what are are some takeaways on the how well the first part about it is acknowledging that you're going to have to be changed yeah like the first part of almost every leader, the hardest part is we have this view of leadership that is we, if we read all the right books and get all the right training and all the right men- internships and all the right mentoring, 
then we'll get the job, we'll become the leader, we'll get mm. the title and the heavy furniture, and then we'll have all the answers. And the hard part, the very first thing you have to learn about this kind of leadership is leaders are formed in the leading. They're yeah. actually formed in the process, right? right? And that includes the heat of mm. a furnace. So I, I use a blacksmithing illustration, and it's because I, I took a blacksmithing class in Los Angeles. There's a there's a blacksmithing <laughs> community in a neighborhood that's not had a horse. I was horse. shocked to read that. Well, yeah. there's not been a horse there in 100 years, <laughs> but there's, there's blacksmiths. <laughs> Makes and, sense. And what they're doing is literally reviving this old art form, this mm -hmm. old art form where people are, and they're building tools and art pieces. And I took this class and what you learn is the process of steel being turned into a tempered tool is a repetitive process, mm -hmm. a process of heating and holding and hammering and quenching. And that's the process I think he, that we go through as leaders in the middle of the, the, of the crucible, in the middle of the challenge, we're going through a process of being heated being vulnerable, being open to God, being held by relationships, being yeah. hammered into shape, being strengthened. You know, Todd, I, I uh, have long held that um, that's probably the same thing that we would equate with discipleship, mm -hmm. where God is shaping us, um, and it's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're kind of bored with your life, you know, hang around, it'll change. Mm -hmm. God is very, very interested in shaping us into the image of Christ. And, and that was a process for the Son of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a process for us. Um, but he never, ever um, hurts us to ultimately harm us. Yeah. There's always a redemptive uh, health to that. And he's, it's not pointless. It's not frivolous. It's always, as you said, for, with an end in mind. Mm. Uh, where he's going to do that for our very best good, um, and that's a that's a, a strong strong place. I think perhaps for us to to pause this podcast because we want to come back again and, and let's talk more about the specifics of of that. Todd, thank you so much for for priming us, and yeah. look forward to to sharing again because we want to learn more about the process of making our next step our very best step. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Thanks,